You're listening to The Art of Motivation with Don Sagarez. It is said by William Shakespeare and modified in a lecture by Charlie Lutz, the greatest loyalty in life is above all to thine own self be true. When I was a young boy, we sat as a family at the home of my aunt, Zia Maria. She is my father's sister, and like my father, she was raised in a rural part of Italy in a time when every family fought for themselves. They grew and harvested crops, bartered products, goods, and services to survive, and literally shared their dwelling with animals, as this was both their custom and necessity. All that they had, therefore, was their name and their family. They were and as most Italians are, loyal to them both. Italy became a unified state in 1861, and most people have more loyalty to their town, province, or region than to Italy as a whole. They consider themselves Florentines, Milanese, Neapolitans, Romans, or Sicilians first, and Italians a distant second, summed up by the word campanilismo, which literally means loyalty to your bell tower. There's long been a north-south divide, the more conservative northerners dismissing the less inhibited southerners as lazy, lawless, cunning, corrupt, and primitive peasants, while southerners consider northerners to be serious, industrious, and money-grabbing foreigners who got rich from exploitation. And so, sitting at the table of my Maria, I was listening to a harmless story being told by my father to his siblings, a group of proud, hard-working southerners who shared an honest approach to living, and who all had been living in Canada since the early 50s. As Dad told his tale and I ate my pizza, homemade, and still the most delicious and memorable I have ever had, my ears perked up as one of the comments that Dad made seemed inaccurate. Not to imply that it was not truthful, it was merely inaccurate. And so I broke the children should be seen and not heard motto of the time and interrupted telling the entire table what I believe to be the more precise version of the story that my father was telling. I do not know how I knew exactly, but the moment the words came rolling off my tongue and my mother glared at me across the table, I knew that I had made a fatal error. I contradicted my father in the presence of others, and I would pay the price for this indiscretion, small and as harmless as it appeared. Needless to say, I excused myself from the table and went about my day, playing with cousins and enjoying time in the garden of my now dearly departed grandfather, forgetting my earlier error as it faded into the landscape of a wonderful day with family and friends. The time to leave, of course, came whereby we said, as always, our heartfelt goodbyes, with dozens of kisses, hugs, and warm salutations, filled with hopes of getting together once again soon. I could not help, however, having the quite ominous feeling that reprimand was coming, as evidenced in the look on my aunt's faces. Into the car, my siblings and I, secure and buckled, I felt, as I imagine kids do, the sense that I was about to learn a lesson I would not soon forget. While my father, who I love and respect like no other man, was not above administering corporal punishment, he chose in this instant not to deliver anything more than a speech. As my seat in the family car was directly behind him, He had the ability, even while driving, to deliver a message and make eye contact as he looked in the rearview mirror. 
So from squinted eyes that betrayed his calm demeanor, he told me quite simply and in no uncertain terms, My son, I love you. But if you ever contradict me in front of anyone ever again, you will be punished severely. There is no greater characteristic you can have than being loyal to your word, to your commitments, and above all, to your family. Never, he said, betray your loyalty to your family, and never betray your loyalty to me ever again. Loyalty is not something that can be bought, but it is, however, something that can be taught. That day, I learned a very valuable lesson and the essence of today's topic, loyalty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of The Art of Motivation. We record here at peachgallery.com in the dynamic and beautiful Peach Gallery nestled in the heart of Toronto's Little Italy. Special thanks to our creative designer, Gregory McKenzie, and audio engineer, Adam Zizzo, for their motivation toward making this show, now our third episode, a reality. I'm your host, Don Sagares, and I'm grateful and delighted to be here. This is The Art of Motivation, and in today's episode entitled, To Thine Own Self Be True, we look at loyalty and all the things that motivate us to be loyal and committed people. Because loyalty, I'm told, is an essential ingredient in any civilized and humane system of morals. As always, we will tie our conversation into our core concepts here in the art of motivation, leadership, labor, and love. Thank you for listening. Back in a moment. You're listening to Peach Radio, streaming from the Peach Gallery in Toronto. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Art of Motivation, here at peachradio.com, nestled in the dynamic and beautiful Peach Gallery in Toronto's historic Little Italy. I'm Don Sagares, and I'm glad you're here. Today we are discussing loyalty, what it means, what it stands for, and of course, what motivates us to be loyal. Defined, loyalty is faithfulness or a devotion to a person, country, group, or cause. Philosophers disagree on what can be an object of loyalty, as some argue that loyalty is strictly an interpersonal concept and only human beings can be the object of loyalty. The word itself can be traced back to the 15th century, where it was noted to refer to fidelity in service, in love, or to an oath that one has made. The Bushido Code, however, to define the way of the warrior for the samurai in Japan, uses loyalty as a core concept that is emphasized regularly. It combines another six virtues, including righteousness, courage, benevolence, respect, sincerity, and honor. Loyalty, as we shall see here today, can mean many things to many people. But at its core, and according to Stephen Nathanson, professor at Northeastern University, loyalty can be single or multiple and vary along the lines of basis, strength, scope, legitimacy, and attitude. In today's episode entitled, To Thine Own Self Be True, we look at loyalty and all the things that motivate us to be loyal and committed people. We will explore the history and definitions of loyalty, loyalty and love, and we will explore creating loyal customers and eight reasons why loyalty programs are imperative for marketers. We'll also show you loyalty programs for your business, and then we will sit down with a loyal and lovely lady my life partner and very special guest, Ms. Marina Piccioni, to talk about her thoughts on loyalty in general and what motivates it to impact our love lives 
and her thoughts on loyalty and gift card programs, as here is where she has found success and her professional calling in life. We will hear her responses to my Do You Believe segment, and of course, her thoughts on leadership, labor, and love as we close out the show. All this and much more when we return with the Art of Motivation, the loyalty episode, where we will find out the truth to the Don Corleone idea, loyalty is currency. Back in a minute with more on peachradio.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Don Sagares, and I'm glad you're here. This is Peach Radio. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Art of Motivation. I'm Don Sagares here at peachradio.com, nestled in the dynamic and beautiful Peach Gallery in Toronto's historic Little Italy. Today we are talking about loyalty, what it means, what it stands for, and how it motivates us. How it is currency. In the world of the Godfather, loyalty is currency. A man's word is more valuable than his money. In the very first scene, Amerigo Bonacera wants the Godfather to help him seek revenge on his daughter's attackers. It does not cost him money, but rather his loyalty. When Don Corleone comes to Bonacera for a favor, he will have no choice but to comply. Loyalty governs many of the major decisions Coppola's characters make, and a betrayal means certain death. Tessio, for example, knows from the moment that Tom Hagen confronts him that he's been made, and understands exactly what this means. He weakly tries to save himself, begging Tom to release him for old time's sake. But he does not run. He does not run because he is loyal to the literal and bitter end. He is loyal to a cause. He is loyal to the family and ultimately to a leader. At a conference I spoke at recently for the Playing for Keeps Foundation, whose sole purpose is to, be- to develop healthier, more active and better connected communities, I talked about a leader's personal role in building a team and creating loyalty. These include how we must recognize the importance of shared purpose and values. Leaders must articulate a clear and compelling vision so that everyone is moving in the same direction. We must build consensus. Good leaders know that building consensus means sharing power, information, and responsibility. It also means allowing the team members to have a say in how the work is done. We must admit mistakes. The best team leaders are willing to make themselves vulnerable by admitting they don't know everything and asking for help. We must provide support and coaching to team members. Good team leaders make sure people get training, resources, education, and that they are adequately rewarded for their work. If we adhere to these basic principles, we should and could build better, more loyal teams under strong leadership. The problem, however, is that there are many dysfunctions of teams. I spoke likewise at this conference about five common dysfunctions of teams. These include, one, lack of trust. Two, fear of conflict. Three, a lack of commitment. Four, avoidance of accountability. And five, inattention to results, where members put personal ambition ahead of collective results. And results are all we really want when it comes down to it. It is what motivates us, and what's more, appears to motivate us to be loyal. Loyalty, in the words of today's guest, Miss Marina Piccioni, loyalty is about understanding the reward. 
We do all want rewards, often to the point of being selfish. We must learn and then learn to remember, however, that loyalty is the most honorable character trait that a person can exhibit. Loyalty is the ability to put others' behavior before yourself, to stick with them, to look out for them, to have faith in them. As I always say, however, we must respect the learning journey of others. This implies that we have all come from a different history and our definitions of core concepts may often differ. In many cases, people simply do not know what it means or how to be loyal. In a recent article I read on WikiHow, basic principles behind learning to and being loyal include be supportive for no other reason than friendship. You're friends with the person for a reason. You like seeing them happy. Don't talk behind their back. If you have a problem with one of your friends, don't backstab them by starting a vicious rumor and watching it spread. Communicate and share your feelings. Third, to be loyal, we must be able to give our friends our honest opinion. If someone we know doubts something, be honest and give them your forthright opinion. Fourth, don't test your friend's loyalty. It will often backfire. Don't set up games that will test them because they will probably find out. And when they do, they won't trust you or be loyal to you in the end. Number five, take time to look at the needs of your friends. Be generous with your time and your resources. Fortune shines brightly on those who give out love and respect. Sixth, balance your loyalties with one another. Often you'll find yourself in a tight spot. Because being loyal to one friend may mean being disloyal to another. But don't pick sides. Be fair. Balance your loyalties with the day-to-day -day needs of your own life and your own family. Loyalty is a feeling, not an idea. And if it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. And eighth, and finally, practice random acts of loyalty. Even it's to people you don't know. The world is constantly asking for our loyalty. Paying attention to the numerous small causes when they ask for our help will open our eyes to just how wonderful the benefits of random acts of loyalty can be. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we will pause for a not-so-random act of loyalty and a word from our sponsors. Back in a minute with more on peachradio.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Don Sagares, and I'm glad you're here. Thanks for listening to Peach Radio, streaming from the Peach Gallery in Toronto. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Art of Motivation. I'm Don Sagares here at PeachRadio.com, nestled in the dynamic and beautiful Peach Gallery in Toronto's historic Little Italy. When I asked most people to define what loyalty meant to them, they immediately associated it with their significant other, and they defined it in terms of being loyal to their partner and therefore to infidelity. Infidelity is defined as a violation of a couple's assumed or stated contract regarding emotional or sexual exclusivity. Other scholars define infidelity as the subjective feeling that one's partner has violated a set of rules or relationship norms. This violation results in feelings of jealousy and rivalry. What constitutes an act of infidelity is dependent upon the exclusivity expectations within a relationship. In marital relationships, exclusivity expectations are commonly assumed, although they are not always met. In any context, this is perceived as a lack of commitment, 
a word seemingly interchangeable with the word loyalty. In a quote from Cornell West in his publication, Breaking Bread, Insurgent Black Intellectual Life, he states, We have to recognize that there cannot be relationships unless there is commitment, unless there is loyalty, unless there is love, patience, and persistence. And so love and loyalty in a relationship can be the most important of all, and they are, in fact, intertwined. From an article I found recently, I read that it is commonly accepted that loyalty is very important in love relationships. What it actually means is more elusive. Being loyal is defined as being faithful to one's oath, engagements, or obligations. Being faithful to one's allegiance to a government or state or to a person conceived as imposing obligation. This definition, however, seems formal and obligatory, and I suggest that loyalty is not an obligation imposed by outside influences, but internal moral characteristics. Conduct that is externally imposed by law or by others is likely to be adhered to out of obligation. Loyalty through obligation can be a harmful quality, since it hinders the loyal person's access to conscious judgment about his or her actions. When one does what is right by his or her values and morals, and that is also supported by societal norms of good conduct, it usually enhances others as well. Loyalty in the personal realm, which comes out of love, devotion, dedication, and commitment to the well-being of another, is healthy. Yet at times, people are not aware of all the aspects of loyalty within relationships. No marital contract spells out or even defines loyalty. Yet both partners assume that this commitment will be honored. Loyalty does not only mean physical fidelity, it includes emotional devotion. Being loyal in every aspect of a couple's life has many manifestations. Here are some ways in which loyalty is expressed in love. Being loyal means being respectful of your partner's weaknesses and discreetly helping them compensate for those weaknesses. Being loyal means never saying anything that may shame your mate in private or public. Being loyal means keeping confidences without fail. Any information that is private or secret must be vigilantly guarded as such. Being loyal means siding with your partner, even when you think he or she may be partially at fault. Being loyal means reassuring your partner that you will be there emotionally and physically whenever you are needed and follow through with this promise. Being loyal means not speaking disparagingly about your spouse to others. Being loyal means that when others say less than positive comments about your mate, you abstain from joining them in discounting your partner. Being loyal means keeping your partner's needs as primary over all other people's needs. Being loyal means keeping your word, being truthful and reliable in keeping your promises to your mate. And finally, being loyal means accommodating your mate, even when it is not a choice activity for you. Choosing to be loyal in attitude, actions, and words is a personal decision. Being truly loyal is very hard. Yet no other way works for truly intimate and loving couples. And here we will require a bit of love and reflection of our loyalty to our sponsors. Back in a minute with more from the Art of Motivation here on PeachRadio.com and how loyalty plays a key role in building and maintaining loyalty with your customers, clients, and employees. I'm Don Sagarez. Thanks for listening. I'm glad you're here. This 
This is Peach Radio, streaming from the Peach Gallery in Toronto, Canada. Check us out on Twitter, at the Peach Gallery. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Art of Motivation. I'm Don Sagares here at PeachRadio.com, nestled in the dynamic and beautiful Peach Gallery in Toronto's historic Little Italy. As much as many of us who love a well-fitted suit and a cigarette at the office every so often would like to believe, we are no longer in the madmen marketing era. Our marketing and the way we interact with customers has changed. Today, lines between gender, culture, and age are fuzzy. Same-sex couples are having babies. Americans have a black president. Knowledge workers have replaced industrial workers, and we are living happier, healthier, and more productive lives. We seem able to make more and spend more money. Looking to demographics is no longer the sole way to obtain customers. We now look deeper into psychographics, which reveals people's behavior and mindset. This is believed to lead to higher consumer engagement and more brand awareness. While we can agree that people's mindsets and behaviors vary greatly and are based on a number of social and cultural stimuli, we can agree that loyalty is a virtual universal concept and one that businesses strive to achieve each and every day. It is no wonder, therefore, that loyalty programs are becoming imperative for marketers. Companies worldwide are using loyalty programs more than ever before. Companies have now finally understood the full importance of retaining existing customers and implementing systems specific to building customer and brand loyalty. While it is sufficient for me to be offered a Coke and a smile, I'm sure that Coke would come with more smile if they offered me a few points or a star or two to thank me for my purchase. While the specifics of the vast myriad of programs in existence are all different, the premise taken from a recent Marketing Land article is basically the same. A loyalty program is a marketing system instituted by a business that rewards purchasing behavior, thus increasing the customer's urge to stay loyal to the company. We will talk later at some length about what really makes a loyalty program tick, but here, and again taken directly from Marketing Land and Steve Olensky in December of 2014, are eight reasons why a loyalty program may be worthwhile to you. Number one, it has been proven to boost growth. Of course, each type of loyalty program may yield wildly different results, but as a marketer, you should never overlook the fact that loyalty programs have been tested and have been proven to be successful in numerous industries. Number two, loyalty programs are not as expensive as you may think. When some marketers think of loyalty programs, they begin to imagine a large portion of existing resources being funneled away into a program that may or may not see success. In reality, however, pursuing new customers is a true cost burden. Forbes magazine in 2013 asserts that keeping an existing customer is seven times less expensive than acquiring a new one. Thus, even the resources you utilize in a loyalty program will most likely pale in comparison to the expense of finding new buyers. Number three, loyalty programs can boost your reputation. They serve a dual function. They incentivize new clients to stick around after purchasing your goods and services, and they ensure that existing loyal clients still feel as if they are valued by your operation. 
Of course, by instituting a loyalty program, you not only improve customer appreciation of your business, but you also increase the chances that existing clients will share this joy with those close to them. Number four, you increase sales by including enticing awards. Marketers and business owners enjoy loyalty programs because they have the ability to improve customer retention for a specific operation. Customers appreciate loyalty programs because they often provide added incentives for making a purchase, with the rewards increasing in a linear or even exponential fashion with the more purchases and size and scope of those purchases that we make. This will only occur, though, if the rewards you offer are in tune with the wants and needs of the customers who frequent your business. It is important to point out that not all loyalty reward programs are the same, and only one that is executed skillfully will have the desired effect. Number four, loyalty programs provide vital market research. By offering loyalty rewards, you are conducting a form of research that will provide you with similar information about your customers. Through trial and error, you will begin to see the sort of incentives that fuel the desire of your clients and the rewards that don't, in fact, elicit the same results. This allows you to hone in on specific rewards that are most appreciated. And using this information, you can attach the most sought-after rewards to specific products that you are most interested in sharing with your clients. Number six, it makes customers happy. Sure. The benefits you offer in your loyalty rewards program may not have the same effect of the goods and services that you offer each and every day. But your initiative of providing additional rewards for your most loyal customers sets your business apart from the others. By implementing a loyalty rewards program, you are sending a message to your current and future client base that you are interested in not only making money from these purchases, but in the relationship with those customers that will become mutually beneficial. Number seven, you can provide in-store or digital rewards. One of the most beneficial parts of loyalty reward systems for both customers and business owners is that depending on the tactics, the rewards can be applied to purchases made online, in person, or both. And this in turn provides you, the business owner, with the chance to offer a robust set of rewards for a broader array of clients. Finally, once it gets started, it stops being work. In reality, setting up a reward system may take some real effort. It requires initial research regarding the preferences of your customers, as well as the scheme that you would like to implement moving forward. That being said, once you have a rewards program set up, it effectively becomes a self-sustaining machine. Continuously updating the rewards will keep your customers engaged, but the work it takes to perform this will be overshadowed by the growth your company experiences. It's no secret anymore that loyalty programs are effective marketing tools. They increase growth, they help retain customers, and improve your brand's reputation. And if you haven't yet weaved a loyalty program into your marketing strategy, you may be missing out on one of the best and easiest tools available for the success of your business. Now this is all well and good, but as my guest today directed me earlier this week, in order to engage in the process, there is a lot of background information and knowledge that a good corporate marketer must know. Earlier, Marina explained to me what she had learned through the years. First, you must know the customer. Loyalty programs are not one size fits all. 
It's important for marketers to recognize distinct customer voices to deliver relevant value propositions. To do this, loyalty programs must identify the various segments within their membership. The three dimensions we look for in our data mine are recency, frequency, and money. These three dimensions should provide an accurate picture of past purchasing patterns and an indication that we need of future behavior. We must reach the customer. Once marketers have a strong understanding of who their customer is, they need to develop strategies with personalized communications. This allows us to gather additional consumer contact information and gain insight into the type of rewards particular to members that are buying our products and services. We must use social media to improve our program. That clicking sound you hear is millions of Canadians eagerly sharing their customer experiences within their social networks. And it's an unprecedented opportunity to monitor and use the customer dialogue that's mushrooming in the social media space to refine our programs and better serve our members. Social media gives marketers a valuable window into actual real-time conversations. Next, we learn location-based, location-based, location-based. Consumers fully realize that they're giving up a lot of personal information to join a loyalty program. In return, they want the data to be used in ways that benefit them. If a program is implementing a location-based initiative, it's best to make offers as relevant and immediate as possible. In essence, take the data and make customers offers that are geographically close and convenient for them. Finally, we prepare for the burn and churn. According to research from Maritz Canada, nearly 70% of loyalty programs members have lost interest in participating in at least one of the programs they belong to. To re-engage in active members, I recently found online recommendations to support the 3R approach. How am I rewarding these members? How am I recognizing their loyalty? How am I delivering relevance? Back in a moment after we deliver some relevant information from our sponsors with more from the Art of Motivation and our very special guest, Ms. Marina Piccioni, here on peachradio.com, and more talk about leadership, labor, love, and loyalty. I'm Don Sagarez. Thanks for listening. I'm glad you're here. This is Peach Radio, streaming from the Peach Gallery in Toronto, Canada. Check us out on Twitter, at the Peach Gallery. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Art of Motivation. Here at PeachRadio.com, nestled in the dynamic and beautiful Peach Gallery in Toronto's historic Little Italy. Today we are talking about loyalty. I'm Don Sagarez, and I'm glad you're here. Marina Piccioni, born in La Belle Provence and Montreal, Quebec, is an experienced loyalty, gift card, and credit card professional who combines outstanding project management, marketing, and relationship management skills to create lead, and implement marketing opportunities for growth. She is a detailed and extremely service-oriented individual who can multitask in a fast-paced, ever-changing environment while focusing on customer needs, building relationships, and loyalty. She's a self-proclaimed workaholic who has worked for major brands including Hudson's Bay, Travelex, Dexit, Telus, and CIBC, and now holds the position of manager gift cards for everyone's favorite, Indigo Books and Music. 
A shoe addict with a passion for fashion, technology, fitness, and adventure, Marina spends her time between raising three children, me, makes four, and whenever she is off duty, she runs marathons, 17 in all, and climbs mountains. Mount Everest was her latest. Marina, welcome to the Art of Motivation. I'm very pleased to have you here today, and I'm hoping you will tell the listeners your history in your words at your own time. Ladies and gentlemen, the very intelligent, very driven, very loyal, and very beautiful Miss Marina Piccioni. Wow, that's quite the intro. <laughs> Did fun. I write that? <laughs> <laughs> it was a combination of both of our, our creative insight. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I was uh, born and raised in Montreal, as you mentioned. My parents were both born in Italy. And uh, funnily enough, they uh, uh, lived a few kilometers away from one another. Uh, however, they didn't meet until they both moved to Montreal. Um, my mom moved when she was uh, 14 years old, and my dad moved to uh, Canada when he was in his early 20s. And uh, they met when he was delivering groceries to her front door. So it was uh, quite the story. Um, I have a sister who is two years younger than me. And uh, we were both uh, influenced by uh, love from our family, which is uh, quite large. Uh, my mom had several siblings, and uh, it's something that I will always cherish and recall when I uh, think about my life as, as a child. Um, we were fortunate enough to be surrounded by uh, family and friends on a regular basis. Um, I was very active growing up playing soccer and ringette. And I think that that's when I, I began to develop uh, my leadership skills and really understanding the true essence of loyalty, loyalty to my family, loyalty to my team, uh, loyalty to my friends. And, uh, and I believe that that's where my work ethic uh, developed as well. I think part of uh, growing up in Montreal was, you know, the fact that I was surrounded by, by family it gave me a lot of courage to do a lot of things that I wouldn't necessarily have had the courage to do, you know, being uh, apart from them. Um, I was uh, active in, in soccer and in ringette, and I was often chosen as captain of the, of the team. Uh, that was a skill that I, I uh, honed and uh, I loved and something that uh, I will always remember. Um, I remember growing up and... Um, getting my first job at McDonald's at the age of 14 and thinking, wow, I could really do something here and really make a difference. And uh, by the time I was 17, I was opening and closing the restaurant, still attending school, having the keys to the restaurant and being able to come and go as I wanted. It was a lot of hard work, um, but I managed to, to make it happen. And it was something I will always remember. And would you suggest that that first job uh, taught you some of the, the definition of loyalty and, and what you needed to be loyal to that brand, loyal to your work, loyal to the employees that worked under you, even at an early age? Absolutely. Uh, it, was, uh, it was part of the training process. You know, um, it's always baby steps. Uh, and that was something that um, was very evident with a, a company like McDonald's. It was, we're going to train you to work the cash register today. And then next week, we're going to train you to work on the on the fry station, and then we're going to train you to, to make burgers. And it was a gradual process, but they built your confidence as you, um, you know, as your tenure um, unfolded. 
And uh, it's definitely something that I will, as I mentioned earlier, take with me throughout the throughout the, the journey or throughout the journey of my life. It's still something I, I recall quite vividly. And and would you suggest that that training ground and the loyalty that you built with that brand helped you as you thereafter moved to another city, took on more professional careers and things of that nature? Tell us a little bit about how loyalty played into the programs that you ran at some of the major brands that you worked with. So, um, you know, my my first job post-McDonald's was with CIBC, um, you know, starting uh, not knowing much about the financial industry, uh, you know, opening up a bank account, little things like that, you know, getting a loan and getting a credit card. I started to really understand the true essence of loyalty and rewards that come with it. Um, you know, as I began to um, gain experience within the organization, you know, my loyalty would be to the company. I would not bank with another financial institution, for example. Um, but I would always look and see what else was out there and, and gain an understanding of exactly, you know, what others were doing and how we can improve and make things better for, for the company I was with. So CIBC, as the example, I was like, well, why aren't we doing the same thing as Royal Bank or Bank of Montreal? We should be implementing the same products and, and services and features that they have. And that's where I feel that there was a lot of disconnect in that it's, you wanted it was all about always about the bottom line, but what about the customer experience? How is that impacted? And in the end, the customer experience is what is key. You know, bottom line, the profit is always very important to the business, but is your customer happy? And how are you going to make your customer happy? And that happiness, of course, uh, evolves into a sense of loyalty from these customers. And then, as I'm sure you'll explain to us, also enhances their ability to communicate to others about the brand and have others engaged with that brand based on the experiences that you have, correct? That's correct. And when, when you moved on to uh, other offices, I know you worked for TravelX, I know you worked for Dexit. I'm interested to hear a little bit about your role, uh, which was quite significant, at Hudson's Bay Company and uh, how you worked toward, strategized for, and implemented uh, loyalty and gift card programs there. Sure. So uh, Hudson's Bay Company, I was hired to... Um, to work on uh, the marketing for their credit and loyalty program. I had no marketing experience whatsoever, but coming from a financial institution like CIBC, um, I had gained valuable experience working on credit card programs and, and loyalty programs, and I was able to take that experience and apply it um, from both a operational and marketing uh, standpoint. Um, the loyalty program that was in place at Hudson's Bay uh, was quite quite old. Um, it started with the uh, Zellers um, uh, the Zellers uh, program initially, uh, and then um, it moved over and it transitioned to HBC Rewards. And uh, the program was stale. It uh, lost its luster, and it was time for it to uh, to change and to be revamped. Um, I threw my hat in the ring and I said, I want this job. I want to work on revitalizing this program uh, and to project manage um, the implementation of the change. And I was, I was given the opportunity to do that. And what we did was we looked at what our competitors were doing in the marketplace and we evaluated, um, you know, customer behavior um, and 
how to give our um, best customers the best experience overall. You can have a, a loyalty program that rewards everyone in the same manner, but you really have to consider your best customers and they're the ones that you should be rewarding favorably, which means, you know, implementing a tiered program as an example, which is what was done with Hudson's Bay. So, um, you know, on an annual basis, everyone starts from zero. And then if you spend X number of dollars, then you're part of the base program. And then once you move to the next level, you, you spend, you know, level B, then you get uh, promoted um, to the next level and whereby you earn additional points for, for being at that level. And then um, to get to the VIP level, you have to spend an additional uh, amount of money uh, on an annual basis, um, and, but you get rewarded for that behavior. And the customers that are going to spend that money with you anyway are going to be pleased at the fact that they can earn points uh, much more rapidly than anyone else that's shopping in the store. And as a result of that, you, uh, you then um, inherit a customer who appreciates the fact that uh, they're being recognized for their loyalty to your company. And they will continue, you know, hopefully, um, to display that behavior on an ongoing basis. Marina, thank you for sharing this initial insight uh, with us. You clearly have a firm grasp on loyalty. We talked earlier about how, you know, initially setting up the loyalty program is where the most time, energy, resources, investigation, analysis, and then after that constant uh, modification of those programs to keep people interested um, is what is key. Um, I'd like to shift gears a little bit and, and hear more of your insight and more about your role uh, at Indigo Books and Music by uh, focusing on the segment of our show we call Do You Believe? Uh, motivation is defined in many respects as one's direction to behavior or what causes a person to want to repeat that behavior. In essence, this stems from what an individual believes to be true, a belief that if they eat, it will satisfy their hunger. If they study, they will get a good grade. If they practice, they will make perfect. In today's segment, I thought we would explore your thoughts on loyalties through some questions. So please sit back, relax, and let us know a bit about you and the programs you've helped initiate and how you found motivation toward better emotional and mental health through loyalty. My first question for you is, do you believe in loyalty programs? And in your own words, what is a loyalty program? Yes, I do believe in loyalty programs. Um, it's a program that essentially rewards uh, me, the consumer, for shopping at a specific retailer or restaurant. Um, and it uh, provides me with the um, uh, enticement to continue to shop there because of the rewards I'm receiving. So there are different types of rewards programs that exist. So there are coalition programs, which are programs such as Air Miles or Aeroplan. And uh, coalition programs work because the retailers that participate in coalition programs, so if we use Air Miles in, as an example, Metro, Shell, LCBO, they all accept Air Miles um, uh, rewards to, to earn points. And the reason they do that is for a number, well, it's for a number of reasons. It's cost effective because it's expensive to implement a loyalty program. Um, it allows for the cost to be shared amongst a number of various retailers. The data is then um, shared amongst all the retailers so that you can consider cross promotions 
uh, if that's something that you would, you know, think about doing in the future. Um, and uh, it allows for a greater awareness of your brand, you know, due to um, the, the nature of the program and its, um, uh, its footprint across the country. So that's... And certainly many of us are, are most familiar with these coalition programs. Uh, they certainly have a lot of brand presence in and amongst uh, themselves. And those are the ones that we've developed a particular affinity for because uh, I think, as you said, it offers a vast array of products and services that you can purchase and still receive rewards. Um, that said, you know, we've talked a lot about it from the perspective of the corporations that implement these programs. Do you believe that loyalty programs work and work for everyone involved? Yes, I do. Um, I believe that there are a number of factors that need to be taken into consideration when, when you talk about that. One is, does the customer understand the value proposition? What I mean by that is, how much do you have to spend to earn a point? You know, if the customer doesn't understand that, then you don't really have their full attention. So it's really important for the retailer or the uh, the restaurant or the coffee shop to really explain that to um, to the customer. Uh, Marina, to help wrap up this section and and help us uh, with a finer point, what do you believe is one key piece of advice that will motivate customers to, in fact, be loyal above and beyond the basic schemes of loyalty programs? Make the program simple and make the uh, reward attainable in a relatively short period of time. That's a, a very good and very succinct way of putting it. And here's where we'll take another short and succinct break with messages from our sponsors. Back in a minute with questions around leadership, labor, and love from the art of motivation. And our very special guest, Ms. Marina Piccioni, here on PeachRadio.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Don Sagares, and I'm glad you're here. You're listening to Peach Radio, streaming from the Peach Gallery in Toronto. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Art of Motivation. Here at PeachRadio.com, nestled in the dynamic and beautiful Peach Gallery in Toronto's historic Little Italy. Today I'm pleased to have my friend and life partner here in the studio, Miss Marina Piccioni. Marina, as always, we will close out our show with a series of questions that revolve around the concepts of leadership, labor, and love. These are our beliefs here on the art of motivation. I'd like to define each area as we approach it, then ask you a few questions per category. Please feel free to answer as honestly and freely as you like, as I'm sure the listeners want to hear from you in your own words and in your own way. Leadership has been described as a process of social influence in which a person can enlist the aid and support of others in the accomplishment of a common task. Marina, are you a leader? Why? Yes. I respect the ideas and opinions of others I work and collaborate with. Uh, I share my opinion and I am open to commentary and I accept any challenge, uh, but I do the work that's required to support whatever challenge I accept. I do agree with that. And I, I know, uh, and in all sincerity, you're one of the hardest working people I know. Uh, I have a great deal of respect for your your efforts, um, who are the people that you respect and who are the people that motivate or have motivated you to be the leader you are today? Uh, I, you know, I've gained a lot of my work ethic and leadership skills from uh, many of the, um, the support people I've worked for. Um, they're the ones that have influenced me in my career. They're the ones that have provided me with direction um, and, uh, and leadership and uh, the leadership skills I have today are 
you know, directly uh, connected to what I've learned from them. And uh, I do know, in fact, that you've you've worked with many qualified people whom you have a, a great deal of respect for. Um, a leader, and uh, you know, directly from your life experience, a leader is a friend or a foe. I believe a leader is a friend. A leader is someone that you can count on who will support you um, at any time. Uh, I want to know that a decision that I make is um, going to be supported. Uh, and I don't have that uncertainty or that anxiety um, that goes with it. I, I feel confident in the decisions I'm making because I know that I have the support from um, my leader, who in turn will have the same support from the people that, that they report into. Which is an interesting concept because uh, for those of us that do understand the corporate ladder, we understand that there there is a need to have the loyalty of the leadership and for them likewise to be loyal to you. Um, when you wake up in the morning and you go to these environments that you work in, what do you do to motivate and inspire yourself on a daily basis? Well, it's not always easy. Um, you know, we all have uh, days that are good and days that are bad, but I my, my objective is always the end result, is the completion of a project. So I like to begin my days knowing what is on my to-do list. Uh, and if that requires, you know, communication directly with, with peers, uh, with leaders, um, that is something that I do. I'm not intimidated by uh, position. Uh, I'm not intimidated by the, um, the, the amount of work that's, that's required. The end result is what motivates me to complete my job and to lead by example. And, uh, and that's fantastic. And I almost know the answer to this question that I'll ask so we can hear it in your words. Uh, work hard or work smart? Both. Both. <laughs> I believe that working hard is not, it doesn't have the same definition for everyone. Um, so my definition of working hard is um, calling someone back when they say, when they call you, uh, returning that email. So it's a combination of both working hard and working smart, meaning that my job on a daily basis is to complete all of these tasks, and I ensure that, that I do that. I'm working hard to ensure that my, my job is fulfilled and um, my, my work is fulfilled and that um, the job is, is done. Uh, in terms of working smart, Developing the relationship that I have with uh, with my peers uh, and with any partners is also um, also key. Partners has many different meanings and uh, under many different circumstances. Uh, where partnership and love is concerned, uh, we know that love is a variety of different feelings, states, and attitudes that ranges from interpersonal affection to pleasure. It refers to an emotion of a strong attraction and a personal attachment. It can be a virtue representing human kindness, compassion, and affection, and it is unselfish loyalty. Understanding that most people have a, a love for themselves and others, um, understanding that most successful people allow that to guide them to a tipping point. Let me ask a question about you and how you feel about your self-worth. Would the person you were before want to hang out with the person that you are today? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Well, what was that person like? Um, you know what? I, I think that the person I was before is someone that uh, lacked a lot of uh, courage. And I believe that 
in my work experience, um, the people that I've met along the way, um, I've really developed um, a lot more self-confidence than I have in the past. Um, and it's something that I would love to, you know, tell myself, like a younger self, that you can do this. You have what it takes. You have the skills. Uh, anything is possible. So I would love the opportunity to hang out with myself. <laughs> and since you're still, in fact, although you alluded to, you know, you being an older self, you're still a, a lovely young woman. Uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, you know, I, when I was younger, my dream job was to be a doctor, but I didn't have the patience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but um, bum. Yeah. Thank, thanks very much. Uh, one final question here before we take a break: um, Do you apply the same passion and enthusiasm for your job and your vocation as you do in your love life? I do, uh, and that has a lot to do with uh, with you. Uh, I learned a lot of um, uh, of what it takes to be in a successful happy, committed, loyal relationship as a result of what I've learned from, from you along the way. Um, and that's open communication, honesty, and just, you know, be openly honest about how you're feeling. And that those are the ingredients of, of success, both in your personal life and in your professional life. What a lovely uh, compliment. Thank you very much. I'd like to thank you today for your time and for sharing with us your insight and direction for all things loyal. We wish you the best of luck and continued success in all your endeavors and certainly hope to see you soon. In fact, I'll see you at home tonight. I'd also like to take this opportunity once again to thank Greg McKenzie, Adam Zizzo, and the rest of the team here at peachradio.com. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we presented a program I hope you found relevant and enjoyable. I certainly hope that it motivated you to understand loyalty a little bit better and in doing so to become a more healthy, more attractive, more engaged and loyal person. To what do we really owe our loyalty? To what extent should we be loyal? Are we loyal because we receive something or are we loyal because of our desire to give? Loyalty for any reason means to find faith in a cause, faith in an idea, faithfulness to God and country if that be your slant. It appears that loyalty must be instilled in us through our parents and the community that raises us. It must be taught that is, it does not appear to be something we as humans come by naturally. We acquire it, it seems, through the sum of our experiences. We are known to misplace our loyalties, and a stubborn loyalty to a lost cause can often cause one to pay a price for lack of reason and good judgment. The art of motivation and motivation to be loyal seems, as always, to come less from physical strength and more from positive mental strength, which in turn comes from being open to the idea that loyalty is a noble quality that is found not only in human beings, but in many of Earth's inhabitants. A loyal being is ready to sacrifice even their own life for the sake of their master, their friend, their relative, or their country. Loyalty is common amongst the courageous, but we can all be heroes. We can all be leaders. We can all be good, loyal friends, family, bosses, employees, soldiers, statesmen, and lovers. If we start off with total honesty, if we do not push ourselves into situations where our loyalty could slip, if we start off always by showing loyalty in little ways, we can improve ourselves if we demonstrate loyalty by not making the same mistake twice. And we can improve ourselves if we consider the benefits. 
The benefits of being loyal are almost entirely emotional, but they're strong. What do you get from being loyal? Simply put, you get loyalty back from someone else. Your loyalty inspires their loyalty, which in turn inspires yours, and so on, and so on. The emotional reward from all of this is a feeling of trust, security, affirmation, happiness, and satisfaction. If you need convincing that these feelings are valuable, look at someone who doesn't have them. I'll leave you today again with the words of my Marina, the most beautiful, intelligent, graceful, loyal, and succinct woman I know, who says, loyalty is about understanding the reward. I'm Don Sagares, and you've been listening to The Art of Motivation here at peachradio.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'm glad you're here.